Hi there, it's Melanie here with episode six of the Habitology podcast. And today I wanna to talk to you about how to rocket fuel your productivity by working with your tendency. Now I'm really into productivity at the moment because January is coming around soon and I don't know about you, but I get really fired up about planning at this time of year, about the year ahead and the opportunities that are coming up. And being productive is really important to me. It means to me that I'm going to get more done in less time and to have better work-life balance. What does productivity mean to you? How do you explain it? How do you quantify it? Maybe that's something to think about as we're working through this episode of the podcast. And I want to start by asking you, have you ever wondered why there are a handful of people in the world who seem to get so much done? They seem to be so efficient and they're incredibly successful in their lives, in their businesses or in their personal lives. How is it that they manage to do this? Are they just simply tenacious? Are they simply thick skinned? Do they have grit? Like what is it? What's the secret source that those people have that the rest of us don't. How do they manage to navigate costly and disastrous problems and obstacles to still come out on top? It's an interesting question and you know I agree that they might have all of those traits, maybe they have a lot of money, maybe they have people working for them to get things done and sure I, I get that, that's probably realistic. But I also believe that the people who are most productive and successful in life are a certain tendency. And that allows them to be efficient and effective to get things done and to make the best use of their time and energy so that they can move past any problems or obstacles that come up along the way. And so with that in mind, I'd like to explore the four tendencies with you, but particularly looking at them from the angle of being productive. And you might be wondering right now, well, what are these four tendencies you're talking about? What's it all about? Well, there's an award-winning author named Gretchen Rubin. And in 2017, she came up with a way of categorizing people depending on what they do or don't do. She was asking the question, why do people have certain habits and behaviors? And they just stick to them no matter what. And then other people don't seem to be able to do that. Why are some people self-starters and other people self-sabotages? What's that all about? Why do some people put everybody else first at their own expense, whereas others scoff at the thought of that? This is the framework of the tendencies, and it's so interesting. If you haven't um, heard of this before or you'd like to know about your tendency, I recommend that you Google Gretchen Rubin Four Tendencies Quiz and you take the quiz yourself. It'll only take you five or ten minutes and she'll email you the results and let you know what tendency you are. It's incredibly insightful. I'm just going to go through an overview of the tendencies in this episode and it's based on the book that she wrote called The Four Tendencies in 2017 and she got into this research by studying habits and, and saying why do people have certain habits and others don't. And as you may or may not know, 95% of what we do each day is based in habit because our brains love to be efficient. And if that's the case, if we really are truly running on habit for most of the time, then the tendencies model seems to be fairly important in determining how successful and productive we are. I'm sure you'd agree with me. Well, I hope you do. Well, I agree with me. <laughs> and maybe you can guess what tendency I am if you know me personally. 
So the tendencies are about how we respond to internal and external expectations. You could also liken the word expectations to the word accountability. How accountable are we to ourselves or others? The first type is an upholder. And an upholder is somebody who is accountable to or responds to both internal expectations, what they want, and external expectations, what other people want. The second type is the rebel, who absolutely avoids responding to any expectations, their own or somebody else's. They don't like being accountable to anybody, including themselves. The third type is an obliger. And they respond mainly to external expectations. They're accountable to others, but not so much to themselves. And the final type is a questioner. And the questioner responds mainly to their own expectations. They're very accountable to themselves, but not often to other people, unless they think it's a good idea to be so. Now, Gretchen Rubin herself is an upholder. And it was really interesting reading about uh, her journey on discovering the framework and coming up with a framework for these tendencies because you could see through her narrative that she was very clearly an upholder. So interesting to read that book and the first book that came before the tendencies is called uh, Better Than Before. It's a book about forming habits where she first came up with a concept. So that might be a book you'd like to read in addition to the four tendencies. But I'm going to go through an overview of the Four Tendencies book in this episode anyway, so maybe this is enough for you. Here's an example that illustrates what I've just described about the expectations. Now imagine that each of these four types, each of these four tendencies has a to-do list. Most people are familiar with the to-do list, right? It's a list of tasks that need to get done every day or every week. And an upholder is going to look at their to-do list and think, right, I need to get all of this done, all of my tasks and all of everybody else's tasks by the end of today or by this particular date. Even if I have to put other things aside to get there, I'm going to do it all. So the, free, the key phrase there is just do it and get it done. They're very good with deadlines and schedules and, and following processes to complete tasks. A rebel would look at their to-do list and say, I hate being told what to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I don't feel like doing anything on that list, so I'm not going to. And the key phrase there is, nobody is the boss of me. I'm grinning about that one because I'm a rebel. And I have had this fight with myself for many years and I've learned how to tame it, but I'll tell you about that later. The third type is an obliger and they would look at their to-do list and think, gee, I really need to do all these things for other people. And if there's any time left, I'll get to my stuff. But the most important thing is that I love to help people and I must serve others first. So their key phrase is, yes, I will do everything that you ask. I know that you need me and depend on me or a version of that. And a questioner is the last type and they would look at their to-do list and say, which of these things do I actually need to do? Why am I doing these? Which tasks can I get rid of? Which of these things can I delegate? What's the point of doing these tasks? The key phrase here is, but why? A bit like your three-year-old in the supermarket. No, you can't have that chocolate. But why? Because you'll get holes in your teeth. Why? And on it goes. The questioner is that person. <laughs> so now that you have a bit of background, let's consider what it means to be each of these tendencies when it comes to being productive. 
And so I'm going to go through some of what Gretchen Rubin summarizes in her book, The Four Tendencies, and put my own spin on it when it comes to productivity. So she says, Gretchen Rubin says that upholders are fantastic self-starters. They're generally very self-motivated and conscientious, which is obviously great for getting things done, right? They work really well with rules and routines. They can follow instructions, their own or other people's to the letter, as long as they think it makes sense. And they meet deadlines easily because they take initiative. They're smart and they're learned. They understand how things are done and why they need to be done and they just get on with it, which is awesome. And you can tell this person, the upholder is highly productive, but they also hate being, um, having their mistakes pointed out. They hate making mistakes or being questioned about them because they feel defensive at any suggestion that they might have dropped the ball. They may become angry if a flaw or a fault is pointed out. And they may also become so entrenched with the doing part of their schedule or the rules, if they're really busy and stressed, that they might be unable to see the big picture. They might lack the perspective of what's going on so they can become inflexible or impatient and unable to adapt to changes very easily. They might continue to work at things that are going off course because they haven't zoomed out to see that bigger picture. So if, a, if an upholder takes on too much or feels too much stress or becomes ensconced in the rules, then they might become a bit humorless, a bit uptight or impatient with others who don't seem to value the outcomes as much as they do. Obviously, this is going to influence productivity. Right, and I would say that the best way for an upholder to be productive is to create boundaries around their pressing deadlines and to build in downtime in times of high pressure. So that might mean, you know, if you've got a very busy schedule and something's due by the end of the week, it's important that you take the time to walk away from what you're doing, get outside into nature or in, into a warm bath or to do something fun and lighthearted just to break that tension so that you can go back feeling refreshed and keep that positive open mind. And I love the idea that you can solve any problem with a question. That's a topic for a separate podcast, but there are two questions that I think upholders could use to improve their productivity. And those questions are, number one, what's the most important thing for me to pursue right now? And number two, how can I best set myself up to achieve that? These are two questions that would help the upholder to zoom out from the detail and get perspective and to refocus their energy on what's most important, especially if they're feeling a bit bogged down or under pressure. Upholders might also benefit from informing the people around them, colleagues, bosses, workmates, family members, whoever, that, hey, I've got a busy period coming up. I'm going to need some time where I'm not disturbed. And it would be really helpful if you could support me in these ways, which might be about cooking meals or um, closing up the office or whatever it is. This might help them to avoid any sort of frustration or irritation that's going to get in the way of their creative process at work. And it's going to allow them to stay focused on their deadlines without distraction. So that's the upholder. And if you are an upholder type, I'd love to know what you think. How well does that match you? Type number two is the rebel. Rebels are independent minded and they like thinking outside the box. They like to be pioneers and they're unswayed by conventional thinking, according to Gretchen Rubin. They're usually willing to go their own way and buck the trend and they don't mind being unpopular. And all of that stuff is really important for invention, innovation, paving the way or leading the way in something. 
it's really creative thinking but and, and you know they're very authentic and spontaneous rebels like doing things that are meaningful to them and they're constantly looking for new ways to do things so there's an element of continuous improvement in there too which is obviously really important and a great part of productivity but rebels hate being told what to do they loathe it with a passion oh i speak from experience so what can end up happening for the rebel is that they become inconsistent and uncooperative they may waste their time and energy pursuing creative paths that lead to nowhere that are a total waste of time i've done that before <laughs> a lot <laughs> they may struggle to plan they may have trouble following rules or they may not care about building up a positive reputation which is kind of important if you want to impress friends or potential clients. Rebels may find it difficult to settle into a stable role or relationship and follow things through to the end, which is kind of a productivity killer when you think about it. And in my own experience as a rebel, I've found that the best way to be productive is to bring a juicy carrot into the equation and to be really clear on the end goal, the end vision and why that's so important. So the carrot is some sort of reward and the vision is the inspiration behind it. Remember that nobody can tell a rebel what to do, so they must find their own value-driven reasons for doing things. So the two questions that I would say might help a rebel to enhance their productivity could be, number one, what will I get if I do this? And number two, why is this so important to me? I just wanna clarify this. The question, what will I get if I do this, could also mean what will be the result in the world if I do this. It's not that rebels are necessarily selfish, they may be driven by a greater altruistic cause, but it needs to be meaningful and I guess that's the intent of that first question. Rebels may also get benefit from having the support of others, especially around planning and execution. And I personally like to work with a coach who is, she is such a great coach. If you're listening, Danielle Atore, this is you. What I love about Danielle is that she allows me to focus on my vision. She encourages me to focus on my vision, my strengths, my optimism and what's, dri what's driving me, but without any suggesting, recommending or instruction of any kind. She is a true coach in that she just lets me spill out what's on my mind and she keeps switching it to that positive, opportunistic way of thinking. That's what a true coach does, and that's what Daniela Torre does for me, and I'd highly recommend her. She's on LinkedIn in Sydney, if you're looking for a really great coach who works around strengths and positivity. And working that way keeps a rebel inspired and engaged and motivated, doing meaningful work, which is what they love to do, working toward the end goal without any sense of pressure and allows them to keep moving forward. So that's upholders and rebels done. The next one is an obliger. And because they're always putting other people first, they'll often neglect their own needs at the expense of serving others, which can kind of be a problem when it comes to productivity. Not so much if you're a worker and you're working for someone else, needing to create an output. You're a very good worker and very productive in that sense. But in your own personal life, it might be much more difficult to be productive because your needs are getting put last. Obligers aren't self-starters, but they're very effective workers and they're 
excellent when they have responsibility to others, accountability to others, a manager, a supervisor, or some sort of monitoring because they feel it's their duty to be of service and to help others, to be a role model. So all of those things allow obligers to be productive and get things done. If they have structures in place that somebody else has set up or created for them, it will help them get moving. That includes plans, guidelines, rules, due dates, or anything like that. But obviously one of the challenges is trouble saying no. Obligers tend to say yes to everything because they feel it's their duty. They feel that they're needed and relied upon and they also struggle to delegate because it's their responsibility to do the work. So an obliger may be very productive but may also burn out and experience overwork. And other people may also take advantage of obligers and expect too much of them in the workplace or not even acknowledge them. I know of an obliger who once said to me, I feel like a pack horse. Now, when somebody feels like a pack horse, that's resentment and possibly burnout. And what happens in that case, when an obliger is pushed too far, they feel like they become a rebel and they don't want to do anything for anybody for a short time. Then they fall back into their old habits of doing things for other people. So if you are a boss of an obliger, it's important to recognize their efforts and make sure they're getting adequate time off because they won't take it themselves. And if you're an obliger employee, please know that saying no is going to protect your mental and physical well-being. And I invite you to find ways to do that. And maybe those ways will involve other people taking time off to be with other people. That could be a way that you get yourself to actually do the time off, take the time off. Having worked with a lot of obligers, because they're the most common tendency, they make up about 46% of the population actually, I find that they're best able to produce in their own business if they're working for a cause or a specific person or a team. So maybe their business fits into a bigger business or perhaps part of what they're doing for work is servicing a bigger cause like a charity or something like that. That tends to keep them driving along in their own businesses where they may lack that accountability. They can say, uh, obligers can be successful in business if they learn to say no and get some boundaries around that and they're better at taking action with external accountability. So ways that you can do that as a solo business owner may be um, getting a virtual assistant who will be asking you for certain things so that they can do their tasks. It might be joining a business or a fitness club or group where you work together on certain days and co-work so you feel accountable to that group. Or by asking someone to become a partner or an employee or a contractor to your business can also help because it creates a framework for accountability. And I think in the spirit of asking questions to solve problems, which I mentioned earlier, there are two ways that an obliger could enhance their productivity. Two questions they could ask themselves. Who will benefit from me doing this? And can I realistically take this on? Objectors, uh, objectors, obligers may benefit from working with a coach who will give them accountability uh, and be non-judgmental and objective because that's what an obliger needs. It may allow them to get unstuck and to keep moving forward. So that's obligers. And the last type are questioners. They're the last one and 
As you saw with a simple to-do list that we mentioned earlier as an example, questioners ask the questions up front to create a short, simple focus to-do list with only the essential tasks that need to be done. And as Gretchen Rubin says, questioners will question all expectations and only meet them if they think that they're justified. Questioners operate on the basis of logic, research and reason and information and they base all of their decisions on those things. So they tend not to follow authorities unless they really trust their expertise and believe that it aligns with their own values. Questioners tend to follow their own judgment and they persistently ask questions so others might see them as defiant or uncooperative or stubborn or difficult or arrogant. I know I tend to be working with a lot of questioners lately and um, they often feel aggrieved that people think that they're being hostile and actually they're just trying to understand something. So being a questioner as a boss can be difficult, but generally as a business owner, they're quite productive and they get a lot of things done because they're able to simplify down to the most important tasks on their to-do list. And I think similarly in the perspective of a personal life, health and fitness and well-being, questioners are able to figure out what they need to do and how to be most effective at improving their, their work-life balance or their health and fitness. The biggest challenge can come if there's somebody that gets bogged down in paralysis by analysis. In other words, over questioning things and then being unwilling to delegate tasks and getting bogged down with the mire of questions whirling around in their heads. So questioners have the potential to be extremely efficient and they are asking why they do anything before they do it, which simplifies their process, but they might need a bit of help along the way. Two questions that a questioner could ask to get that sort of help for themselves to enhance productivity could be, what's the results that I need to create? That question could pull them out of that paralysis by analysis. What's the result I need to create? And the other question could be, how realistic is, I do, is it that I do this on my own? Asking those two questions allows the questioner to get out of the detailing into the big picture perspective so that they can make rational decisions and be productive. They often work well on their own, but if they get stuck, they might benefit from working with a mentor or a coach or an associate or peer who they can bounce their ideas off. It needs to be someone that they trust and respect and someone that they feel they could get a second opinion from. And when they're able to do this, it means that they can keep getting moving forward without getting bogged down. So that's the four tendencies and how they may operate in the context of productivity. And I said at the beginning that I think that there is one type of tendency who tends to be better. And I would say it would be the questioner. I would say that they're generally more productive, possibly an upholder, either of those two. Obligers and rebels may struggle with productivity, but there are definitely ways that they can get the accountability or the structure that they need to start becoming more efficient and effective, to get their work done with more free time available, and to take the pressure off so that they can think creatively. I hope you found this useful and I invite you to reflect on your own tendency and think about what you might need to do to become more productive in your own life, whether that be at work, at home, or just anything that creates that general sense of fulfillment and satisfaction for you. This is Melanie White signing out from another episode of the Habitology podcast. And if you'd like more information, make sure you visit my website, 
www.melaniejwhite.com. Hope to see you soon and bye for now.